Well, just in case you didn't realize it, this past week we celebrated a little mini holiday. We had a little celebration known as Valentine's Day. Of course, Valentine's Day is based on Saint Valentinius. And of course, he really was a saint until about the 1960s. It was in the 1960s when the Catholic Church decided that Valentinius could no longer be a saint because all of the evidence to prove his miracles, they said it was a little too mushy. They said there wasn't enough solid scientific evidence. It was all just too cheesy. So he's not a saint anymore. But it's funny to me because I would venture to say this is the only saint day of the Catholic Church that anybody really knows. This is a day that we remember St. Valentinius, and I want to tell you a little bit about him. St. Valentinius was a physician, but he was also a minister. He was a clergy person in the Catholic Church in the Roman world. He was alive in the mid-200s. And so what he did to kind of get in trouble was he secretly married people. The emperor had decided that he didn't want any more marriages to happen. He was fighting a war, so he needed all of the men to go fight. The last thing the emperor wanted was for all of these men to start getting married and be happy and in love. He said, no, go fight. And Valentine said, no, get married first. And so he married all these people in secret. And it got him in trouble to the point where he went to jail. And of course, while he was marrying people, he was practicing medicine, healing people. So there he is in jail, and he's getting to know his jailer, because that's what people apparently do in jail. They get to know their jailer. Why not? And the jailer told Valentinius about his daughter. And he said, look, I don't believe in your God. My daughter is blind. And the jailer said, if you can heal my daughter and help her see again, I will believe in your God. And so Valentinius said, bring her to me. And the jailer did. And so Valentinius put his hands over her and said some prayer to the effect of, help this young maiden see your light and as soon as the prayer was over, the girl could see. And for the rest of his life, Valentinius wrote a letter to that little girl every day, and he signed it, From Your Valentine. Thanks for asking about my Valentine's Day. It was lovely. In fact, I spent my Valentine's Day having a very meaningful lunch. My Valentine's Day lunch was intimate. It was very, probably one of the most meaningful Valentine lunches I've ever had. It included over 120 church people. Because I had the privilege of, on Valentine's Day, standing right here sharing the meal of Holy Communion and the Mark of Christ. 
because of course we all know Valentine's Day happened to fall in line with Ash Wednesday. And had I realized this, I would have known then that this was only going to happen a few times in my life. The next one isn't until 2029, and then after that, Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day will be on the same day again in the year 2170. And had I been better prepared for that, I would have made these little bitty candy hearts that I saw that an Anglican priest made. I don't know if we have a picture or not. There are little candy hearts, and instead of all the typical Valentine's messages, his little candy heart said, dust to dust. I'll have to remind myself to make those. They were so cute. I found a picture of those in one of the many articles I read because everyone was so fascinated and interested in the fact that these were two things happening in the same day. One of the articles I read said, well, here we go again. Love meets death. It felt very Shakespearean to me. There was another article I read, and it said, while we are eating chocolate in the streets, beware, the clergy people will chase you and mark you for death. (laughs) I'm not sure I would say it quite that way, but I understand the point. Valentine's Day is supposed to be a day where you spend time with people you love. Not love, love. And Ash Wednesday is a day to remember not to take one moment of it for granted. And so to me, it makes sense those two things would happen on the same day. Because isn't it in the funeral liturgy where we hear, dying Christ destroyed our death and in rising Christ restored our life and so in glory shall we be clothed with him? That is your ultimate love letter from God, isn't it? And so, yes, I spent Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day right here for two hours remembering how much I love Lent. Lent is that sacred time. It's a special time when we are given the freedom, we're given permission, we're given the privilege to take everything we have and focus it into one relationship. Lent is that meaningful moment to have spiritual renewal and spiritual change and spiritual discipline so that we can work on the one relationship that impacts all others. Lent is our time to recognize those places in our life that we have been blinded by. And a time when we can ask God to show us the light on Easter. Lent is our opportunity every day to write a love letter back. And so it makes sense to me that those two things would happen in one day. After all, two things like that happened in one day in the life 
of Jesus. On one day, his ministry began and his temptations began. In one day, Jesus' ministry began with his baptism. Officially speaking, scripturally speaking, his ministry does not begin until Jesus is baptized. And as soon as he is baptized, his temptation begins. And so in one day, God said, this is my beloved, and his life is marked to be different. And so begins the season of Lent. And so that story comes to us today from the Gospel of Mark. And it says this, Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days tested by Satan, and he was with the wild beast, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Now, if you are wondering where all the good, juicy details of or this story, they are not here. If you're looking for all the details that we're used to in this story, then you're thinking about Matthew or Luke. It is Matthew and it is Luke. Those two writers are the ones who give you all of the things that happened during that temptation. It's only because of Matthew and Luke that we know about the different temptations, that we know about the different trials. It's only because of Matthew and Luke that we actually know more about the baptism of Jesus. Mark says not very much. He's a man of few words. He's very brief. And because of his wording, because of how succinct in his he is in his gospel. If we blink, we will miss the meat. If we don't pay attention to Mark, then we will miss everything he says about some of the most important Old Testament events. I don't know if you caught it, but he referenced the people of the Red Sea. When the Red Sea parted and people walked through the water, they were immediately taken into the wilderness. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness. And Adam at Genesis spent time naming the wild beasts that are now with Jesus in the wilderness. And actually the words that God uses are almost an exact quote of the prophet Isaiah. Somehow Mark was able to put all that in there. 
somehow in Mark's shortness, in his very few words, we also have to go very fast because the destruction of Jerusalem is happening when Mark is writing. And so he pushes us through his story very quickly. And he's immediately, immediately, and then this, and then that. That is how Mark takes us through this story. And so immediately, Jesus was driven into the wilderness. Of course, depending upon what's happening in your life, you will hear this story differently. For me, when I hear that Jesus was immediately driven into the wilderness, my question is exactly who's driving the car? Did that person have driver's ed? Is there a parent in the car with them? Is there a bumper sticker warning me? My season of Lent is spent with a child preparing to get a permit. So obviously, I am hearing the word driven very differently this year. But how do you hear it? Who is driving you? What is driving you into the wilderness? And when you hear this word wilderness, do you think of a time of chaos? Or are you thinking of an adventure? It's a little differently based upon what you are, where you are in life, and what you're going through. And what about these wild beasts? Who are these wild beasts? What are their names? Is it like a coyote that comes in my backyard? Or is it like the deer that I think is cute? Or is it something much bigger without a name I don't know? Depending upon where you are, your wild beast will change. Oh, and what about these angels? It specifically tells us that there are angels waiting. Some people say that this means that there are literally angels waiting for Jesus when Jesus is finished with his time in temptation and in the wilderness. That is not true. The word in the text means that there are angels that are all wrapped up in the wilderness, trying the temptations with Jesus. And that's quite lovely, I think. It's a comforting thought to think that as soon as I meet the wild beast, there is an angel with me to do it. It changes the meaning, doesn't it? The wild beast of shame or the wild beast of self-doubt, the wild beast of grief, the wild beast of the unknown is met with an angel of love and an angel of understanding, an angel of comfort, an angel of grace. To know that the angels are wrapped up in whatever temptation, whatever wilderness, whatever thing that's driving us, that's quite lovely. That makes me feel like I can make it. This time in Lent, through the eyes of Mark, gives us an opportunity to use our own imaginations. It's a time to pour ourselves into the story so that this 40 days, minus a few so far, that this time of repentance and self-reflection can be a time when we figure out those burdens in our lives what are those things in the way? What are those parts of our lives that are outweighing their benefit? Say it in a different way. What stone are you carrying? 
After all, the theme of our Lent is the rolling stone. And so today, just for fun, I wanted to try something. In thinking about things that are outweighing their benefit, I wanted to play a little game. I don't know how this is going to go either. I wonder, when you carry a rock, when you carry a stone, it may not seem too heavy in the beginning, does it? This stone will get heavier the longer you hold it. Imagine holding the same burden day after day after day for 40 days. It will get heavy. But I wonder, if we had to outweigh some things, let's pretend like I gave you all this Valentine's Day candy. This is a lot of candy. I gave you some little roses, a little chocolate bouquet here. I gave you some fancy chocolates and some kisses on Valentine's Day. Let's pretend like they all fit in my little balance. Which one do you think is going to be heavier, my chocolate or my rock? Stone? I think so, too. Well, let's pretend that's all in there. I think it'll be heavier. We'll just say it is. Sometimes chocolate can be a little heavier than we want it to be. All right, what about, what about the newspaper? I love newspapers. I have one of all kinds right here. I'm not picky. If we could fit all of our news and just shove it in this little balance, which one do you think will be heavier? What about water? What if we put our water in here? What do you think? Over time, yeah, I think so. All right, I have one more. What about our phone? How heavy is your phone? Anybody? Look how many rocks. I'm having to add. I have a heavy phone. I think, personally, our phones have become burdens. I think our phone is the stone. I think our phone is the rock. I think we hold our phones every single day. Do you know the burden that they've become? You put almost a two-pound rock in your pocket, in your purse, somewhere on your person every single day, I'm guessing, and it's becoming a burden. It's becoming something stopping you from being in relationship with someone else. Statistics say, this is a true fact, that we have spent in one year of 2023, on average, 32 days on our phone. What were we doing those 32 days? We were scrolling through social media. 32 days of scrolling through social media. I'm not saying social media is bad. I'm not. It's a good way to stay connected. But I'm saying that there are addictive qualities about it. And I'm also saying that there is AI that is developed to use social media for the one reason to target the most vulnerable of our children. I am saying 
that our phone has the potential of becoming the heaviest stone that we carry around. For Chapel Roswell, we usually give something up for Lent. We are giving up social media for Lent. If you want to know what's happening at the church, just call us, text us, come by, because we will not be posting social media. We will make one post every Sunday for our little Easter, and that is it. I personally am trying to give up social media for Lent. I will tell you, I accidentally got on Facebook yesterday for about three seconds, and I was like, oh, no! It's a habit. It can become a habit. Put it down. Whatever it is that you have given up, I honor it. I respect it. I'm from a Catholic state. It's who I am to fast from something. I respect that. But for Chapel Roswell, we are giving up social media. And one of the reasons is because I know a sweet, wonderful 17-year-old in my life. And she knows I'm telling you this story. The sweet 17-year-old, about two years ago, she was a sophomore, and she was connected to her phone. All she did was live on her phone to the point where you couldn't even talk to her. If you wanted her, you had to text her. If you were in front of her, you needed to text her to get her attention. One day, her parents took the phone, and they, as soon as she got home from school, took it and put it on the kitchen shelf. She did not get the phone back until she went back to school the next morning. They told her, I know you're not going to believe this, but they said, no more phone for you. You can only have it when you're in school in case of emergency, in case you need us. And so this 15-year-old, she went through withdrawals. She began to get the shakes. She began to get headaches. She began to get nervous. What's happening in my friend world? But then after about a week, something else happened. She began to talk again. She began to ask questions about things that were in front of her. She began to be curious about the world. She began to engage differently. And as she began to talk she began to share what was happening. She said she felt so burdened by the idea of having to post or like on social media, she was considering hurting herself. It was because of the post that people were putting that she didn't feel pretty enough or happy enough or active enough. She became to feel devalued just by what she was watching to the point where she almost hurt herself. The power of a stone. Thankfully, her parents were there to say, you are loved and you have value. This Lent, do not let anything separate you from the love of God. And so starting today, let us do two things. Name your rock and start to push it away. Amen. Pray with me.
Holy and gracious Lord, we come to you with mindfulness, wondering what is it in our minds and in our lives and in our hearts that we need to turn to you? What is it that we need to ask help for? May we be strong enough to do it. May we begin to know that you are with us in all things, and you can be with us as we fast from whatever it is in our lives that's keeping us from you. And so help us to see you all around us, in the beast and in the angels. And may all of us find moments this next week where our actions are teachable and our words are faithful. Show us ways that we can provide care and kindness to someone else. And Lord, may we put the phone down when we need to. May we begin to drop that burden and unleash ourselves of that weight. May we use it only for good and may we use it for fun and for all the other things, may we just put it away. May we be symbols of a new day when we communicate better and when we love each other better and when we remember how valued the person in front of us can be and is. And so help us to not take one day for granted that we get to feel the love that you have of us and lead us to help someone else feel that same presence. Lord, there are those among us who are still grieving deaths of people that we loved and we miss. And there are those of us who are still healing from treatments and surgeries and situations. And there are those of us who are looking for someone to love, be in the midst of all of it and provide comfort and provide peace. And Lord, for those things that we're excited about, for birthdays that are coming up, or for doctor's appointments that let us check in on good things, be with those things as well. And help us, Lord, between now and Easter morning, begin to release whatever it is that stands between us so that we can be stronger disciples. Amen.